Come on, give God some glory. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Come on. Because he's worthy. This is what the people of Israel was missing out on. They did not know that the king of kings had come down in their presence. They didn't know the one who's holy was standing before them. They did not realize that day that they were arguing with God Almighty in the flesh. And I could, I could just see the angels of heaven now just telling them, come on, get it together, Jerusalem. Get it together, Jews. Your king is standing before you. But instead, all they could see was a man, Mr. David. So we're in this portion of, of scripture in John chapter 8. Jesus, he's in Jerusalem and he had just performed one of the greatest missions here on earth. They wanted to stone a woman to death for committing adultery and the Lord said, no, you're not. Because he that is without sin, let him do what? Cast the first stone. Jesus said, you're not going to kill her because you're sinners too. Amen? Because he did not come to destroy men's lives, but to do what? To save them. As he said when he went to Zacchaeus' house, that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Amen. Somebody been reading the Bible. And I tell you, whoo, can you feel the presence of the Lord in this place right now? It is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And Miss Nelson brought him with her. Amen. Uh, she don't like me calling her out like that, but that's, you know what? But it's real. When God's people come with a heart of worship, God comes in among his children. And all of you this morning came with a heart of worship. Give God some glory because he's worthy. Don't be bashful. What we're about to see today and an incredible, an incredible feat of our Lord standing before people who simply want to see him destroyed. And here's the thing. God wants you to know today that there are people out there that's been on seeing you destroyed because you belong to Jesus. And what Jesus is doing here, people, we have to understand that the presence of God is here with us to help us to mimic our lives just like Jesus did on that day. Can you imagine being surrounded by hundreds and they are coming at you in every kind of way, gashing up on you with their teeth, calling you every name, even call his mama out. When they said, we know who our father is and we weren't born of fornication. What did they just say? They were talking about his mama. Those that know the story. And you know what? Here's what God wants you to know. No matter what the world throws at you, you must be like Jesus. You must hold fast to your testimony. It is at that moment when the world wants to beat you up and batter you that Jesus said, I'm with you. It is at that moment that the Holy Spirit is reminding us that the greater one lives in us is greater than the one that's in the world. Come on, somebody. God is worthy. 
Amen? Because Jesus is demonstrating it right now in Jerusalem in this passage, how great God is. And if you listen very carefully today, all you will see is Jesus magnifying his father in this whole conversation. And no matter what they wanted him to do, they wanted him to renounce God as his father. But instead of renouncing God, he magnifies God. Yes. And that's, that's what we're going to see. And that's what this song that Miss Vicki them so wonderfully sung before the Lord today is all about. Is when we realize who our king is. Don't just look at your bulletin and throw it down. Understand the message. Jesus the king. Amen. Amen. And if you look at my little blurb there for you, it's telling you that we're to be just like our king. Amen. Amen. And so it's okay if I'm excited up here, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm here to tell you that Jesus likes children that are excited about him. Amen? Amen. So we're going to slow it down just a little bit. I'm not in control of the flow of the Spirit today. Amen. God is. Right. I'm not responsible for what's happening in this place today. Amen? Amen? It's the work of the Holy Spirit and not Sammy Nelson. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't feel this presence... I just pray that God do something with you because he is awesome in this place right now. And I can tell Miss Marie hasn't showed up since she's been here that the spirit is moving. That's just as happy. Look at that. It's flowing from all over her. Amen. I wasn't calling you out, sister. <laughs> Amen. Yes. The glory of God is awesome in this place. So if you shift gears just a little bit and give us a sweet, sweet melody to go before the Lord in. I mean, you're doing a beautiful job anyway. And she doing wonderful for the Lord. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's just a something else. A lot of things is happening in the world right now. But I'm here to tell you there's something greater happening in heaven right now. Right. Come on. God is on the throne. I, I wrote a young lady yesterday who had just had surgery and I told her, and I want to tell you, and I want us to start living by what the Spirit reminded me of yesterday morning. That today is the greatest day of my life. Why? And here's the three things that you can bank on. God, my Father in heaven. God is my Father. Come on. Jesus in heaven is my King. Oh, come on, you can give him some glory because we're calling him out. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Spirit of God is on earth living in me. So therefore, today is the greatest day of my life because how much more do I need than that? Did y'all get it? Yeah. Oh, y'all should have been dancing on the ceiling by now. Huh? And like that Richard would have told y'all, y'all have been dancing on the ceiling. Come on. All right. God is so wonderful. It is good to see baby Esther in the house of the Lord again. She made her presence known here a few moments ago. But yet, look what God did. God said, come on, baby. I'm going to take you in the la-la land. Amen. It's awesome. And Chris, it's good to see you. Terry, it's good to see you and your son. God bless you.
Welcome to God's house. And all of you and Brother Jeremiah, welcome. Welcome you and your family and all of you. God, if y'all can see what I see from here, I see the glory of God on a people that love God in this place right now. Man, I, I got electricity all over me. I, I, I can't, I can't describe it. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. But I'm here to tell you, change is here. Not on the way, sisters and brothers. Change is here. And his name is Jesus. He's here. And <laughs> he's all over me right now. I can't do anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> Anybody ever been like this in the spirit? Well, let me tell you, it's the most marvelous, confusing way to be. Did you get that? Because you don't know what God's going to do. All I can tell you that, <laughs> let him have his way. We'll hear about him. This morning, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me again, even back there. Samuel, you make sure this morning you preach God and Jesus. Because that's what the people came to hear. And that's what I'm going to do under his anointing this morning. I'm going to preach God and Lord Jesus. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. With every head bow. With every head bow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we love you. You're awesome in this place. Father, if you don't do anything else, you've already done enough. You brought us your presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that. Because it is you who made all this possible at the direction of the Father. And Holy Spirit, our hearts couldn't be prepared without you. We couldn't have a heart of worship without you. We couldn't sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty without you being in us. Because your word said no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we are your witnesses of that this morning. That your presence is here with us. And Jesus is Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you now, Lord, that you have already broken yokes and bondage on people in this place already. I've seen it happen, that the yoke was broke on someone when they walked through the door because of the anointing. And now we're asking, Lord, find it pleasing in your sight as your children come to hear the word of God because it's just another form of worship, Lord. When we sit and listen attentively to your word, Lord, it's our heart saying to you, God, that we love you and we care about you. And we want to hear what you got to say to us, your church. And Jesus, you, you had us do this by your spirit. And this morning, Lord, we're praying for Israel. We're praying for Jerusalem, your holy city, that holy place on earth. We're asking that your spirit dwell there and your peace dwell there. And Lord God, we ask that you bring the Jewish people back to their homeland. And Father, for these United States, Lord, will you have mercy upon us this morning? 
We've fallen short of your glory. We've sinned against you and our fathers have sinned against you. We all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But will you allow your grace and your mercy abound upon our lives right now? And Jesus, will you pour out your spirit upon us once again? Lord, we can't do anything without the Holy Ghost. And we need him right now, Lord. We need him to praise you. We need him to worship you. We need him to help us listen to you. And most importantly, Lord God, we need him to help us live for you because that's why we're here. And we're asking now, Lord, that you touch every heart, every heart, Lord Jesus, and move us into your presence in the very throne room of God. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I always wanted to be in a service preaching where God says, son, follow my lead. Not by a bulletin, you know, a program that they so-called laid out, but one that's led by God's spirit. Amen. Amen. And that's what you are seeing this morning, a demonstration of God's spirit in control. Is that all right? And if he had me preach for 10 minutes, that's all right with me. Is it all right with you? Amen. Because I feel the Lord has already worked in here this morning. Back to John chapter 8. Jesus is in the heart of Jerusalem, sitting outside the Temple Mount. And they brought in this woman. You know the story at the beginning of the chapter. A, A lady supposedly caught in an act of adultery. And the hypocrites brought in the woman only and not the man. When the law of Moses said they both should have been what? Stoned to death. But they just brought the woman. But the Lord knew their motives. He knew their hearts. That they only wanted to set him up. To catch him in a trap. But God being God knows the heart of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl. Amen. Amen. He knew exactly what they were trying to do. But listen, they had no idea what kind of conversation it was about to get into. Because listen, sometimes you have got to call the world out for what it is. And what you're going to see here today is Jesus calling these Jews out just as they are before God. Okay. And he knows those who are going to be his and those who are perpetrating what we call a fraud. A fancy name that they like to use today in the 21st century is called nominal Christians. All right. They're wearing the label of Christianity, but their hearts are far from Christ. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit will help you discern that that person doesn't belong to God. I've done it many times in the past and whispered in their ears and I will go and say, stop playing with God. And they look, so you know what God just said to you. Okay. God knows our heart. And don't be afraid when the Holy Spirit is moving upon you to tell somebody, thus said the Lord. Okay? And Jesus was very adamant that you would know a tree by its... Hello. And that's a clear evidence. Your lives is the evidence that you either belong to Jesus or you don't. Okay? Jesus, our King, is modeling out the Father. This is what you're going to see is the heart of the Father on earth lived out before men. 
And you're going to see God in Jesus not change who he is. Amen. Even though they want him to. Let's start at verse 22. Look at this. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because it says, where I go, you cannot come. And see, they were not smart enough to understand the words of the prophet Isaiah, as we know it in chapter 53, that the Messiah must what? Die. And they go, what are you talking about? You going to kill himself? Uh, no, he's not going to kill himself, but he is going to die. Okay, because the scripture said so, and the scripture must be fulfilled. All right. And he said to them, you are from beneath. And here's the, defi the deciding factor here for God's people. Today, you no, no longer need to see yourself as an earthling. Jesus just described to the Jews that he is an alien. Hello. You're going to preach it. Why you say it like that? Because alien means not from this what? All right. Now we can play semantics all day long, but the truth still remain the same. Look at this. You are from beneath. When Jesus had a conversation with an old rabbi in the middle of the night, what was that old rabbi name? Yes. Anybody call it out. Oh, somebody know it from the mouth of a child, Nicodemus. And, and, and what did the Lord Jesus Christ say to Nicodemus after Nicodemus came with these wonderful words of the Lord? What did he say to him? You must be what? Born again. Uh-oh, that's another baby. Hello, adults. These children know it. Come on. Hallelujah. So he's saying to them, you must be born again from where? From above. Otherwise, that's directly from the heart of God. Every person saved is born again by God. Amen. And therefore, our home, our origin is no longer what? Earthly. We are now from where? From above. Paul said we're citizens of heaven while we're yet on earth. Hello? And that we're to act like citizens of what? Of heaven. While we're where? On earth. So stop thinking earthly and start thinking where? Heavenly. He even told the church in Ephesus, he said, we're seated with Christ where? In heavenly what? Places. Okay? That means God is rising his people up. He's bringing us higher than what the rest of the earth is. Amen. Now, so I, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world. Okay? Then what he said? I am not of this world. Later on, when he stand before Pilate, the governor of Judea, the Roman governor of Judea, right before his execution, and Pilate says, don't you know that I have the power to kill you and the power to save you. Do y'all recall Jesus's response to Pilate? He said, you have no power, or shall I say authority over me, except that which has been given to you from where? Above. From above. Other words, from God himself. Amen. Jesus said, you can't do anything to me unless God, my father, allow, him, allow you to. Now, he goes on to tell Pilate, 
He said, if I was from this world, my servants will come and do what? Fight for me. He said, because I'm not of this world, that's why you're able to do this because my father has allowed you to. Okay? Now, you don't think them angels weren't waiting for Jesus to say, come on. And they'd have wiped the entire Roman army out. Boom. It'd have been over with. But that's not what you know, God wanted. Let's look even deeper. Are y'all ready for this? Look at this. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. We covered that a little bit last week. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sin. Why? Why were those Jews standing there were going to die in their sins? Huh? Why today people are going to die in their sins? You were about to say it. What was it? What you were about to say? It's okay to talk to the preacher today. It's not one of those messages that is just one way. Come on, people of God. Because they don't believe in him and have not accepted him. Have Things changed in 2,000 years? Don't we still have hard-headed people today that don't want to believe that Jesus is who he say he is? When his people go preaching him, people tell you, oh, God don't have a son. Ooh. Well, I don't know what God you're serving. But the God of the Bible has a son. And his name is Jesus. Hello, somebody. So now he's going to get you for coming up with a false God. Now you're in double trouble. <laughs> Amen. So he goes on and tells them, for if you do not believe I am he, you will die in your sins. He just gave them a way out, didn't he? He wanted them to understand that you can change your way of thinking right now and have what? Eternal life. That's what it's all about. Then they said to him, who are you? <laughs> That's a wonderful question to ask the Lord today. Amen. If you're searching for Jesus, just simply ask him, who are you? And see, those Jews didn't realize what kind of answer they were going to get in return. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. In other words, Brother Jeremiah, Jesus said that you're hard-headed and you're not what? Listening. Has that changed today? No. People are still hard-headed today. When God's sons and daughters go and preach the gospel to the lost, a lot of them want to say, uh-uh, I don't want anything to do with that. So they say, who was Jesus? And you're going, are you kidding me? And it's hard to believe in these United States that people don't know who Jesus is. But unfortunately, there's a great number of people who don't know him. They did an interview on college campuses, went and asked college students, who's Jesus? They said, who? <laughs> they showed us the tape that they, they made when I was in seminary. They interviewed student after student after student on college campuses and asked them, who is Jesus? They didn't know. But if you ask them who Tom Brady is, they said, oh, I know that name. That's a shame, isn't it? Look how far our culture has walked away from God. Moving right along. So, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. Did you realize who Jesus just talked about in that statement? 
His father. He just told those Jews that God is his father. And he was sent here on earth by his father. Every believing Jew of that day knew about God. And for this man to stand in front of them and say that God is his father, that got their attention. And once he said that, Crystal, watch the conversation change. Look at the attitude of the people change as the conversation progresses. Okay? Listen. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. That's another indictment that the Jews didn't like. You being a man saying you're the son of God, make yourself equal with God. And for that, we're going to kill you. You read about that in John chapter 10, two chapters over. These folks have gone bonkers. They've lost their minds. That's easy to say today for you and I, because we have the Bible. We know the story, right? What if you were them? And all you've been taught is about God and the commandments, obeying the commandments and you're good in good standing with God. Now I'm just thinking blasphemy. And you're going to see a heart of people saying he's blaspheming God. Now we're really going to get him. Look out. Watch it unfold before you. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. Why? Because the hearts were hardened. Well, you can kind of sympathize a little bit, Blake. If you've been taught to believe one way all of your life, and all of a sudden this new guy come in on the scene and saying that you have to believe another way, and by the way, all those things that you've been taught, oh, they were about me. And you go, what? Uh, didn't you come from Nazareth? Yes. How's that you? Let's see what the rest of the story says. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of, what did he just tell them? When you crucify me, when you crucify me, then you will know these things. Now, if you go back and you read in Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 51, you will find out that the moment Jesus died on the cross, all kind of cataclysmic things took place. And the very core of the earth shook when Jesus went to hell. It shook. The Bible said a great earthquake occurred. Why? Because Jesus had just descended into the heart of hell. And you know what else? When the Roman soldiers felt that, even though they were just looking at Jesus' body on the cross and his spirit was in hell, they said, this is indeed the son of God. Who made a believer out of them. Now, these were Gentiles. And what were the Jews doing? They still had their lips stuck up. They still weren't believing. I wonder if they believe now. Hello. <coughs> Look at it. This is a story of just absolutely rebellion on the Jews' part. But you Gentiles, we're not left out. Because we are rebellions today too.
A lot of folks know the truth about Jesus, and yet they go up to Washington and they make laws and say, oh, you can live this way. Why? Because it is your right to live that way. And no one has a right to tell you how to live your life. Otherwise, they just told God, God, everything that you wrote in here is outdated. It's no good for us anymore, Lord. It's antiquated. And, and, and we, we, we want a new God now. We, we want a God that's going to tell us it's okay to live the way we want to. But they don't know that God told his prophet Isaiah, he said, I am the Lord your God and I change not. not. The same yesterday, today, and for? Yeah. Come on. Oh, getting a little hot in here now. So, looking on. Then Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me. Now, Vernon, most people probably don't pay attention to that little small phrase there, that he do everything. He said that my Father taught me. Jesus was a student of God. Hello. While he was in heaven, the father had already showed him what he was going to do where? On earth. And while he was here on earth, he said, everything I see the father do, I what? I do it. Read John chapter 10. Matter of fact, go back and read John chapter 5. You'll see Jesus' testimony about the father, or how, he, how he followed every example of the father in the scriptures. And so if you was a hard-haired Jew, Dick and Amelia, sitting there listening or standing there listening, by this time your knuckles are about to bleed because you want to hit him so badly. Because this man that you knew that came from Nazareth just told you that God is his father again and that he was taught directly by God. Yesterday on our way to Williston, we stopped at the gas station in Archer. And Matthew then was sitting in the van and I seen a guy pull up in the pump behind me and he had the tag, a front plate said, believe. So I'm thinking, you know, God's not dead too. It says, do what? Believe, right? Amen. So I asked the man, I said, hey, sir, uh, I noticed that you got this license plate on your, on your truck and it says, believe. I said, you believe in God and Lord Jesus Christ? H, no. <laughs> I mean, he was vocal, boy. And I said, um, what do you believe? Why do you have that on your truck? I believe Oprah going to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what kind of response you're going to get from folks. <laughs> it blew me away. <laughs> okay. It blew me away that he said H no. And I just dropped my head right at the pump and prayed for him. And that's God to save him. So he can be that vocal about saying H no to God. He can be vocal about saying, yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Hello. Yes to your will, Lord. Hell, that's right, Crystal, if nobody else. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I don't want that man to go to hell. I want that man in heaven with me. I go, when you're the one that said H no, he said, brother, shh, don't say that up here. <laughs> Ain't God good. Amen. <laughs> Moving right along. I'm kind of crazy this morning. And so verse 29 tells you and I even more so 
and he who sent me is with me. Jesus just also described that God the Father was embodied in him. Right there, that moment and place and time. You know, you deal with uh, space-time continuum, right? Two things in the same place that were occupying the same space at the same time. Is that a little science there? Oh, man, I was going back to school. He laughed like, oh, yeah, I think that's right, preacher. <laughs> Amen. But that's what Jesus was saying. My father, even though he's in heaven, yet he's where? On earth with me. Amen. Amen. The father has not left me alone. And folks, as God's children in Christ Jesus, God has not left us alone. We're not down here by ourselves. Always remember the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in uh, Colossae. In chapter 3, verse 3, he said, your life is hidden with God in Christ. Did he say it like that? No. He said, you and I, our lives, Christ and us, our lives are hidden in God together. That means, Mr. David, Jesus and you are inside God. Miss Marie, Jesus and you are inside God together. It's a family thing. Amen? Amen? That's what it's all about. And God doesn't take it lightly when people pick on his children. Hello. Uh, equally, he doesn't like it when his children doesn't do what they're supposed to. Amen? However, this is extraordinary stuff for humans to understand. And here's the part that Jesus wants his children to, to, to duplicate in their lives. For you and for me, this part, Deacon, this is the part Jesus wants you to get zealous about. I always do those things that please him. Did you get the mindset there? Jesus said, I always do those things that pleases God. That's where you and I need to be. If you're not there, ask the Holy Ghost to help you what? Get there. Amen. I still see too many Christians trying to be like the world. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying you're saved, but you just need to restructure your thinking. That's all I'm saying. Begin to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. Okay? Not picking on anybody. I'm telling you this. This applies to me too. Amen? Amen? That we must be like Jesus. Have a heart that pleases the Father. Amen? Amen. And now, moving right along, as he spoke those, these words, many believed in him. Okay, now, in a moment, you're going to see Jews who absolutely believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to see their hearts flip. And you're going, how in the world could someone flip that fast? I don't know. You'd have been here the other day. You'd have seen it. Enough of that. Amen. So, then Jesus said to those Jews, I'm on verse 31. Those are still trying to follow me. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe, if you abide in my word. Now that'll come up again. That statement will come up again in John chapter 15, where Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And he's going to talk about abiding in his what? Word. Now he's telling those Jews openly outside of the temple complex there. Listen to what he's telling. 
You are my disciples indeed. If you go back and look at it, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. This is the evidence to say that a man and woman belong to Jesus because they abide in God's word. And here's the thing. How can you abide in God's word if you don't know God's word? It's impossible to do something that you don't know. That's why it's crucial that you open the Bible and you begin to what? Read it. It's crucial that you come to Bible study. You do have some folks that can teach you some things and vice versa. You can teach that person some things. And that's what it's all about. The body of Christ building what? Each other up. So in verse 32, and this is a, a Bible verse that's pretty familiar to a lot of Christians and, and uh, even ungodly people even quote it. Did you know that? A lot of ungodly people quote verse 32. Here it is. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. free. How many of you ever heard unsaved people say that? I know I have. And I'm going, uh, we got to talk. You want to talk about the truth? They like to use the word set you free. And if you really want to play word game, and Mr. David is a lot smarter than I am. I don't know about Brother Amelia. But uh, anyway, <laughs> if you put the word set there, won't you come to the same conclusion? Yeah. You arrive to the same conclusion. This is a college girl sitting over here. Won't you arrive to the same conclusion? Yeah, so make you free, set you free. The bottom line is Jesus doing the setting of what? Free. He's the one that's making you what? Free. Free from what? Free from sin. Yeah, there it is, that three-letter word that people don't like to hear. Sin. Set you free from sin. Okay? Now, do I need to chase that rabbit about what sin is? Well, someone said, uh-uh, that's why I'm going to chase it. Sin is when you miss God's mark of excellence. His word is the mark of excellence. When we obey God's word then we are not sinning. When we disobey God's word, then we are sinning. Simple, simple definition. Okay? Now, verse 33. Here's where they get ready to get sassy. Y'all, you, you ready for this? They're going to get sassy. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Uh, did y'all know nearly three years earlier there was a man dressed in funny looking clothes baptizing people in a river called Jordan he wore camel hair with a belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey did y'all know who that was? Well, guess what? John had also told them about this when they came crying to him about being Abraham's descendant. And you read more detail of that in Matthew chapter 3. But John said, don't, hear, don't come here telling me you're Abraham's descendants because the axe is already laid at the root of the tree. What do you mean? God is here to cut you down. Otherwise, your Abraham bloodline will not save you because your mama went to church because your daddy went to church don't mean you're saved you must experience God for yourself you must have a relationship with Jesus yourself okay and that's what they're screaming we're Abraham's descendants 
I mean, we got a ticket in. Uh-uh. It doesn't work that way with God. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the... Come on, kids. That's your Bible verse in school, right? There you go. Look, look on. I know we, we, we got about two more hours and we'll be finished. Look here. So they answered, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Otherwise, we've never sinned because we're covered by Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant. We're God's chosen people. So what are you talking about? We're in bondage. Ooh, very dangerous thing to say to God face to face, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, don't we do the same today in the 21st century? Why would God send me to hell? I'm a good person. I've never done anybody wrong. I pay my taxes and, and I help my neighbors. I don't lie. I don't do this and do that. Why would God send me to hell? Listen, you may find out why. Amen? Amen. So they said, how can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Well, I've never done this. Well, let me ask you a question. You being a guy, a girl walked down the sidewalk and she got on her days of dukes. You never said in your mind without saying it. Mm -mm. Well, you never been on the beach, guys, and you never said, look at that hot mom. Mm oh. Hello. Kids, you never said in your heart to your, about your mom and your daddy, you make me sick. I can't stand you. Yes. Huh? Mm -hmm. You never done something like that in your heart and not speak it out loud because you know she'll slap your teeth out. But guess what? God heard it. And you did you honor your mama and your daddy by having those kind of thoughts? No, you did not. So you just sinned yourself. So need I go on to tell you more and more how you sin without ever opening your mouth? But I, I don't sin. Yeah. Nobody caught your hand in the cookie jar, but God caught your thoughts there. Amen. All right. Verse 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. In other words, you're a sinner, so you're a slave. The house belongs to God. You're not going to stay there forever because God's going to boot you what? Out. Okay? That's a pretty simple thing. So it goes on, but a son, what? Abides forever. You can put daughter there too, Chris. See, look, at one day all we got this masculine language. It's okay, God wrote the book. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> So a son and daughter of God abides in the house of God forever. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I am, there you shall be what? Also. So a son and daughter of God, because of Jesus, abide in God's house forever. Amen? So we don't have any worries there. Therefore, if the son of Excuse me, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Once again, he's reminding them that he was there to liberate them from their sins, but they couldn't see that. It's hard to witness to someone about salvation when they don't see themselves ever having sinned against God. 
So you have to take it with baby steps with them. You have to break the scriptures down to them where they can understand and see that, hey, look, just simply by being born of a woman, you have sinned against God because you came with a sin, what? Nature. And you needed to be saved. Whoa, that's different. Now, I don't want to go in that word nature because I, I don't want to write Webster all over again. Okay? So, uh, verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendant, but you seek to kill me. How many church folks you know always want to destroy somebody? Bent on nothing but confusion and making life complicated for other saints in the church. And they're always stirring up trouble. It seems like the preacher spend more time counseling with those people than they do preaching the gospel. Look, look what Jesus says. So you seek to kill me because my words has no place in you. And you find those people and you're wondering, is he saying? Because <laughs> why is he always starting trouble? Why are you always in the midst of confusion? Then he goes on in verse 38. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Now here's the real calling out, Miss T. Watch Jesus call out their real daddy. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad the Lord never said that to me because I'd have crawled on a rock. Are y'all ready for this? It says this. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Uh, you're not one of the prophets. What do you mean you heard from God? They are really mad now, Clinton. They're steaming. They are steaming. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. Man, why did they have to go and punch below the belt? You know what they just told him? Your mama messed around on your daddy. <clears throat> y'all know the story of Joseph and Mary. Come on now. Y'all look at me and preach why you had to go there. I didn't go there. The scripture went there. They just told him we were not born of fornication. We know what your mama did. Now, how low can you hit? But you know what? God being God, knowing the contents of their hearts, is about to expose the trueness that's in their hearts. Y'all ready to see him reveal the truth that's in their hearts? He's about to show them their true identity, their real DNA. Y'all ready for this? We have one Father God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Did he not just slam them? People, we are Christ-like. Don't be afraid as the Holy Spirit leads you 
put people in their place that's dogging God and Jesus out in your face. Do not allow this world to dog your brother and sister in Christ out and you stand by and do nothing. You understand me? We have been battered long enough by this world because we stand by with a passive heart and did nothing while the world beat us up took our rights away and saying you Christian can only do this in your churches. You can't do that out here. Why is the world telling us how to live before our God when we supposed to be telling the world how to live before our God? Amen. What did you just see our Lord do there? He called them out just as they were. So don't be afraid if the spirit leads you to do that. And I'm not saying go out and call, call everybody devils. That's not what I'm saying now. Okay? Because you mess around and get hit upside your listening pole. <laughs> All right? I'm just saying be aware. Be aware. And know what steps to take. The devil, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. Okay? All right, moving right along. We're just about finished. Nope, we still got another hour to go. <laughs> so anyway, he says here, you are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. And I can see it sometime in people coming to church, and sometimes it even scared me about myself. And I asked God, am I really saved? He goes, what you talking about? Lord, look how I've been behaving. Look what I've been thinking. Jesus, am I really saved? He said, yes, but I'm going to spank you though for that. <laughs> You're not getting away with it. And the Holy Spirit said, why did you grieve me, Samuel? Why did you make me feel bad about what you just did? When I told you, Samuel, walk away. A Samuel, don't say that. A Samuel, don't do that. A Samuel, don't look at that. Samuel, don't listen to that. Walk away. Instead, I want to have it my way because it's Burger King. It's Sammy's day. Okay. <laughs> Anybody get like that? I want it my way. And God said, either my way or the highway. You're not going to have it all. Amen. Isn't that, um, help me if I'm right. How many of y'all read the Bible? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's a pretty good majority. There's a church in the book of Revelation. There were seven churches listed. Am I right? He's calling us out now. Didn't the last church, church number seven, get in trouble for straddling the fence? Did they? Uh, come on, call, help me out. Did that church, Lasadia, did they get in trouble for being warm? And Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Because if you are lukewarm, I'll do what? He didn't say spit. He said, I'll vomit you out. That means violently bring you out of my mouth. In other words, he said, you can't have it your way. Live for God in the world at the same time. Live for God or live for the world. You remember when, what was that prophet name, Matthew, on Mount Carmel? Elijah. 
Oh, you're good, boy. Elijah. The showdown on Mount Carmel. Y'all remember reading it over in First King? And you remember what Elijah said to his Jewish brothers and sisters on that mountain? He said, this day choose who you're going to serve. If Baal be God, serve Baal. And if God is God, serve God. And then we know the showdown began. But before the showdown began, he warned his Jewish brothers and sisters of this. He said, you be careful who you choose. He said, how long are you going to be caught between two opinions? Are you going to be caught in the opinion of the world on how you're supposed to live? Or are you going to be caught up in the opinion of God? on how you're supposed to live. And Jesus is the opinion of God of how we're supposed to live today. It has not changed in 2,000 years. In fact, Mr. David, let let me kind of clarify that 2,000 year thing. It has not changed from Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the and Revelation chapter 22 What's the inverse there? What does it say? Anybody know? Junior, you know? Anybody know? Why am I turning through the Bible when we got all these Bible reading people in here? Somebody ought to help me out. What is it saying? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I just showed you the beginning of the Bible and the what? Ending verse. Jesus Christ is the beginning, the middle, and the end. What part of that you don't understand? That's how we are supposed to live. Amen? And so, I'm not going to go any further than John today. I want to tell you this. We are the children of God. We belong to Jesus. Paul said to the church in Galatia, he said, I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ where? In my body. Meaning I identify with Jesus every day of my life because I carry about in my body the same crucified marks that my Savior carried in his. On Jesus' resurrection day, Emily, the Holy Spirit had cleaned this body up. Cleaned them up so good, Blake, that Mary Magdalene didn't even recognize him. The last time she saw Jesus, he was a bloody pope on the cross. Swollen out of proportion, beard plucked out, lip busted, great gashes in his back, across his chest, side all over him. He was a mess. And now, She's looking at him and she can't even identify because this person looks so good. He looked better than the Jesus he knew before he went to the cross. Amen. Thomas. Thomas said, I don't believe he's risen. 
So the only way that I will believe that I stick my fingers where? Yes. Unless I touch the wounds in his hands and in his what? Side. You know the Lord's so good. Cherian. She said he finally got my name right. And guess what happened? Jesus appeared in that upper room with the door locked. He appeared out of nowhere. And he said, Thomas, come here. He said, now touch. What wounds, what marks, or what scars did God preserve on Jesus? He preserved the wounds from the nails and from the spear so that you and I could know this is the same Jesus that was crucified who have now risen again from the dead. So that you and I could always believe. And when Thomas saw him, he said, my Lord and my God, he fell down and worshiped him. We don't need evidence like that to believe. The Bible tells you and I that God has given every one of us a measure of faith. And that's all we need to believe. Faith from God himself in his son Jesus. This crowd, as we'll pick it back up again next week, the Lord's willing. That's a long sermon in it, Brother Dave. <laughs> this is the fourth week going into it. But the truth of the matter is they become more and more hostile towards Jesus. And maybe next week, by the help of the Holy Ghost, we'll finish this sermon. But the thing that the Lord Jesus wants his children to get is that you not only belong to him, but now you have got to start thinking like he think. You've now got to start behaving like he behaved and start living like he lives. Amen. That's the purpose of all of this. This is a testimony from the Lord Jesus Christ himself to you and me. To show us, even in the midst of hostility, we can still live holy. Hello. He was. A, he, did you know Jesus was at the most holiest place on earth when this was going on? He was in the courtyard of the temple. The most holiest place on earth. And they were raising sand with him. <coughs> I'm finished. Every head pile. Miss Vicky. I don't know if you were clapping because I said I was finished or you were clapping because God has spoken to you. So what God has for you has not changed. Twelve men stood back and watched this take place. Some of those men wrote this. One of them wrote this. He was a first-hand observer, first-hand witness. John himself stood there and watched this event take place. 
He's the only one recorded it. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is with you and in you right now. And he has some things that he wants to say to your heart. Will, will you listen now? Every head bow as Miss Vicky is playing. Jesus loves you. When the Spirit tells me to shut up, I shut up. I can't preach anymore to you. This is your time now. It's between you and God. If you've never made that decision to follow God's Son, let me ask you to do that now. Let me encourage you to do that. I can't make the decision for you. These men and women that were hostile to Jesus that day in Jerusalem, they know the truth about him now. Because the moment they closed their eyes to this part of eternity, they knew that either they were for Jesus or they had messed up big. I don't want the latter part to be for you. God doesn't want that to be for you. Jesus doesn't want that to be for you. He want your heart to be real with him and say, Jesus, I love you, but I like this in my life. And I want you to be in full control of my life. If that's you, will you tell Jesus that now? You don't have to come up here. Talk to the Lord where you're at. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I'm not telling you to say a prayer and that you're saved. I'm telling you to give Jesus your life. Acknowledge to him that you sinned against God and that God sent him and he saved you by his death on the cross and that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then live your life because your life depends on that. That's all salvation is, trusting Jesus with your life. Not saying a little prayer and then somebody say, oh, you just got saved. No, I can't make that declaration. That belongs to God. And so children, I'm talking to the kids now. Will you love Jesus now? Every little head bow now. Will you tell Jesus that you love him while I'm praying? I'm going to pray for you all now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and love you. And we're asking you, Lord, to have your way in our lives and the lives of our children. Lord, we don't always get it right, but we're so glad that you're with us and that you're compassionate. And Lord, your Bible says that you're slow to anger, swift to love. And so, Lord, we thank you for that because without you, we can do nothing. Now, Lord, as we go into the meeting part of the church, will you give us wisdom from on high now and help us to make it through this meeting? And then, Lord, will you bring us back again Tuesday for Bible study and time with the children? And will you bless our time? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.